Hello, everyone, and welcome to More Than Macros Radio. I'm your host, Coach B. Let's talk about how I can help you figure your shit out when it comes to all the BS and the trends in the nutrition and fitness industry. I am a nutrition coach that understands the hurdles that women face every day, as I too am a wife and a mother, which is why a sustainable lifestyle can't just consist of tracking your macros. Join me each week as I, or sometimes we, talk about everything from health, wellness, nutrition, mindset, body, and fitness. The goal of this podcast is to have you think more about your habits and behaviors, your relationship with food, and for you to get really curious about where you are right now and where you want to be. If you've been struggling with your health and wellness and achieving your goals, you cannot afford to miss out on this podcast. Thanks for listening. Let's dive into today's episode. Welcome back to More Than Macros Radio. I'm your host, Coach B, and this episode I'm super excited about. I'm already like, I've got my little, I don't know what's going on. We've been laughing already. It's been great. Okay, so I'm here with Dr. Crystal Guavaro, Barrow. Oh, I've been so close. Um, we are here to talk about, and I'm going to have you introduce yourself, but we're here to talk about all things specific to you weight loss meds, and then just having a general conversation about what we see in the industry and, you know, even just having the conversation about things that have come up around the weight loss drug. Um, but before we do that, let's dive into who you are. I know you are married to one of my most favorite people in the industry, and that is not why I have you on the podcast. Um, I've, I listened to you on a previous podcast, and like I shared with you before, I just thought it was, it's super genuine what you talked about on that podcast. And that's what I would, I'm, I'm looking forward to here because I think a lot of people have a lot of misinformation or maybe even think that what we're about to talk about is a band-aid solution when in fact, I don't believe that. Um, but before we dive in, let's talk about it. You are a sports med doctor. Let's go. Oh, wow. Uh, it's been a long journey. Um, I'll try and keep it brief. So, um, I, um, you know, I grew up in the Bay Area, California. I have traveled all over the United States to study organic chemistry, and then I decided I didn't want to get a PhD. I decided to go to medical school, um, and then I decided to go into family medicine and did my training in Pennsylvania uh, around the suburbs of Philadelphia, then went back to Las Vegas to do my sports medicine fellowship, and then we finally settled in Michigan, uh, where I have a virtual telemedicine practice, and I do um, some event coverage for U.S. figure skating. So I do that about two times a year on average. So that's, and then I also do um, some non-clinical work with um, RP. Right. And that's how I kind of like met you because of course, and, and I will say this, I mean, you are married to Dr. Mike Isertel, who is yeah. part of Renaissance Periodization, mm-hmm. one of the leading, um, I, what do we want to call it? Like they're, they're an academy, but also like nutrition and training and coaching and so many things. And what I love about you working with them is that um, you're such a genuine person and knowing that you're a sports medicine doctor, I think it's cool because we get a lot of MDs that come into the space, but specific to sport, I love that. And I, and I really appreciate you being in this space. Um, but that's not what we're here to talk about. I had listened to you on a podcast and you were talking about your experience with semaglutide. Mm-hmm. However we say that. Yeah. So we know here in Canada, we just mentioned this and in the States it's, how do you Wagovi. say the word? Wagovi. Wagovi. Okay. 
And if I remember correctly, I think that Ozempic is specific to more like the type 2 diabetes versus um, this one being more specific to the um, disease of obesity, right? So um, I just wanted to start off actually before I'm going to go back just a second. I want to start off with putting a disclaimer out there. Dr. Crystal is not here to um, diagnose or provide any medical advice for anyone specific. This is a, this, this topic is hers. This is her experience as a physician who has also been prescribed semaglutide. So I just wanted to put that out there. And Dr. Crystal, if you wanted to add anything to that. Yes. So uh, yes, anything I say is not to be construed as medical advice. You should talk to your own healthcare provider about your own medical issues and All of the stuff I'm talking about is purely from a patient perspective, because remember, doctors are also patients and and good and bad. We can uh, I've often said that, you know, doctors sometimes make the worst patients. And uh, maybe I'll have some insight on that uh, as we deep, deep and do a deep dive into my experiences with uh, weight loss and medical weight loss um, in this podcast. It, it'll be good. Um, so like, let's just dive right in. So I had listened to you on a podcast and you talked about your experience. So what I've heard in the industry, there's, there's like two sides of this. This is an amazing opportunity. It's going to help you lose body fat. Um, it's going to help you with a few other things and you can talk about that. But at the end of the, uh, on the other side of the spectrum, there are coaches and fitness professionals and even some doctors that are saying this is just a bandaid. Like this is not going to solve the problem of obesity. It's not going to, it's because there's too many either a side effects or you're not doing the work. This is just an easy fix. I want to put that gently. Yeah. What are your thoughts on some of that that you see in the industry before we dive into your experience? Uh, you know, I will say, you know, with the online fitness space, it's really easy to, it's hard to talk about nuance when you have a, you know, 100 by 100, you know, pixel, uh, JPEG and you want to put that infographic out there. So I get it. Um, uh, you know, people want that like instant click, you know, they want to reshare, like they want to try to play the algorithm. So you know, most of the stuff that I've seen out there, like there are some grains of truth to both sides. Um, and I can definitely see where people are coming from. Um, so, you know, on one hand, we have, you know, the people who are like, this is an amazing opportunity. Obviously, I'm going to be biased because as a patient I and who is on the medication, I definitely agree. And we're going to, you know, go deeper into that uh, later on in this podcast. Um as far as the Band-Aid kind of quick fix, um, you know, uh, the, um, the, the nuances to kind of consider with those is, um, you know, quick fix compared to what and yeah. compared to what outcome. So I, I think it's hard for people in the sort of online fitness space to realize what types of other things can be affected by obesity Um, you know, plus or minus diabetes, Um, things that I have seen taking care of uh, people in the hospital, Um, things like infections, um, when you have skin to skin contact, Mm -hmm. um, you know, things, it it gives you a very warm, moist environment where bacteria can grow and complications do happen. Not every obese person is going to end up in the hospital with very complicated infections that need, you know, hospitalization. But the people who have been in there have had, you know, 
mostly obesity and also diabetes on top of that. So to kind of, um, you know, just to provide that sort of context that they don't see, you know, they're kind of, you know, when you're dealing with, you know, uh, you have to take a look at what your coaching, your typical, your typical coaching client um, looks like. And that could be different, you know, all across the spectrum. And I think um, as somebody who has kind of been, you know, had the privilege of taking care of like the most sick patients possible and then coming into the online space and sort of reading these things, it's sort of like, Mm -hmm. oh yeah, that's right. Like you don't, um, you know, you haven't been in the hospital, you haven't taken care of these types of people. I think most, you know, uh, if I was to guess, you know, the people who are sort of screaming that this is going to be an easy bandaid, they either take care of really top level athletes, people who compete or people who may only need like a 30 pound weight loss at best. But you know what I think too, Dr. Crystal, I think that, and I, I don't know, I, I, I want to say this without calling people out, which I'm not, I'm not as good at that as Dr. Mike. Um, but at the end of the day, I do think that there's coaches out there or fit influencers that have no idea what they're talking about. They don't understand that obesity is a disease. They don't understand that appetite dysregulation is a real thing. Mm-hmm. And they, and, and what I think I hear and what bothers me the most about, and, and I had a, a coach say this, she's like, well, I think it's just a quick fix. I'm like, do you understand what a, an obese person goes through and where, how they ended up there? Like, do you know, do you know the path? Because there could be genetics. There could be some appetite dysregulation. Like there's things like everything from hormonal dysregulation to like leptin resistance. And like, there are things that are real. Mm-hmm. And I don't think a lot of these coaches, and I put that in air quotes, everyone, understand that physiology. And I think that's where we kind of like get stopped. And like, that's why I rely on people like yourself, who is a physician, Dr. Spencer Nadolsky, who is a doctor, a lipid uh, obesity specialist. Um, even his brother, who is a, I think he's an endocrinologist, right? Yep. I rely on experts within that field to help me understand the disease, because for a very long time, I didn't call it a disease either. Right. So I think that's where it's kind of mismatched. Like you said, there's a lot of nuance, but I think that we have these coaches who just want to make money, want to help people. And they want to say, get rid of all your excuses, just dial it in and get shit done. But that isn't, that's not even true for the person who isn't obese, because I'll tell you this right now, I've got clients that aren't obese and they're just, they just want to lose five pounds. They, they don't even have the habits and behaviors in place to do that. Right. 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 So it's pretty interesting. And that's why I wanted your take on it because you are a physician. So let's just dive in. You are a physician that has been prescribed this. So can you tell me a little bit about your journey? Like how you got here? Because I know you had mentioned in the previous podcast that you had some appetite things going on and stuff like that. So could you kind of go through the whole reason and, or like as much detail as you can? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, glad we uh, have some time to dive into that because I have been really kind of mulling over this for um, particularly the last couple of weeks um, and pretty much all my life. Um, So as early as I can remember, um, as, uh, you know, two years old, um, I had a next door neighbor who was, uh, I think she was about your size. um, And I knew early on that uh, she was smaller than me. So I was on average 20 to 30 pounds heavier than her. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't a big deal. Like I didn't, uh, you know, uh, nobody really told me like, Hey, like you need to stop eating or you're fat. But like, I definitely noticed, I was like, Oh, she's much smaller than me. 
Um, and then I remember going over to her house and her mom would just make the most amazing put together meals. And when I would get invited for dinner, I remember her mom saying like, Hey, you, you know, look at Crystal. She finishes her, you know, plate. Like you should do that too. Like I was like the perfect, you know, perfect mm -hmm. child because I was always about the clean plate club. Uh, looking back, I was always sneaking in treats. I was always, you know, um, I had a very healthy appetite. I would eat, excuse me, let me just turn this on. Um, I, would, I would very much um, eat, you know, whatever was on my plate and then some. Um, and, yeah, uh, I had, you know, at some point my mom had told me, like, hey, you know, you're getting a little too big. Like, we need to dial back, especially the treats. Um, I, you know, I would get into my dad's candy stash all the time and just, you know, uh, handfuls of, um, the little miniature sized candy bars, Yeah, uh, you know, and, and I did the, the dieting thing like everybody else, every fad diet. Um, I remember doing lots of cardio doing, um, <laughs> using very little weights because that's all I had. And back in the day, this is going to totally outdate me. Um, <laughs> Like Suzanne Summers, uh, Raquel Welch, uh, those uh -huh. workout videos that my mom had. Like I would do those, maybe some yoga. Um, and so I, I was always into sports as a kid, um, but always had this appetite. Like, uh, you know, um, just couldn't really shake it off. And it wasn't until, man, I would say maybe about 2010 that I did my first like formal macros, like learning about protein carbs, fats, and starting to get into weight training. Um, I had dropped about 20 pounds, 30 mm -hmm. pounds. Um, but my training wasn't really structured. It wasn't, um, I wasn't doing high volume. And so I just looked kind of blah, um, didn't have that tone look that I was looking for, but my appetite was completely out of control. And to the point where I thought that like, man, I just, I'm just not hard enough, hardcore enough. I'm not doing, you know, like I'm not just grinding through it. And so eventually I think I got from, I went from 150 to about 128 and I had all the signs of, um, you know, overtraining. Um, uh, I had t terrible sleep. I couldn't sleep at night. I would wait, um, lie in bed mm -hmm. until four in the morning with my stomach just feeling like it was uh eating itself alive <laughs> i had this high sympathetic drive and i had just started medical school so this is 2012 uh because i had dieted for about a year a little over a year ish yeah. and um you know on 900 calories or so and oh my god <laughs> it was terrible i was doing cardio five days a week at 45 minutes um, and my hair was falling out and I couldn't sleep at all. My training mm -hmm. was in the crapper and I had also failed, um, my first class in medical school. And when I finally got that grade, I was like a 68 and like a passing grade was 70. I just like broke. I, d I broke. I start like just started to binge, try to control the binge eating because my hunger was just out of this world and I would imagine it was pretty much akin to um I would say a bodybuilder's post-contest diet but like yep. on steroids basically because it just it was never ending in sight um I gained most of the weight back thankfully I still liked training for whatever reason I don't know what really like 
inspired me to continue going to the gym, even though I felt like garbage. But, mm-hmm. um, so during, um, during med school, I had, you know, a couple of coaches, I fired my old coach who kind of dragged me into the ground. Um, and I didn't really say anything because I didn't want to be seen as like, you know, like this failure, right? Like, so I pretended yeah. like everything was fine and I'm like, yep, yeah, I'm just gonna, you know, do medical school. Thanks. Uh, we'll stop this coaching for now. Um, I went to another coach who was like, Hey, I don't think I can help you lose weight, but I think, you know, we can help with some habits in place to, you know, get you feeling great. But I don't think weight loss should be the goal. And I remember being really pissed at that time. Like, screw Mm -hmm. you. I I want to lose weight, but I did it anyway. And it was, you know, uh, just kept me on a very even keeled, like maintenance type diet. Um, and, um, it wasn't until I think a couple years later that I had discovered, uh, RP. Um, I think it was a little bit around the time that I had met Mike, um, that I, and I was still, you know, eating a fair amount of like protein, vegetables, you know, healthy carbs, but just in whatever amount I wanted. Um, and, um, from there, uh, Mike noticed that um, anytime I was having some one-on-one coaching, any time post-diet, uh, I would just sort of rebound back to where I was. Um, he even tried to create something called the Hunger Templates, which right. kind of really worked uh, to, yeah, this was an RP product, and I was like the beta tester because he realized how like insane my hunger was. Right. And I blew right through that. So anybody who... Like, all those skinny people who, like, try to gain weight, like, do the lean gains thing with, like, chicken breast and, like, broccoli. The amount of vegetables that I was consuming to help quell that hunger was just out of, like, uh, my stomach was just full to the brim, but my hunger was just like, nah, you could keep eating. You could really keep eating, even though my stomach was like, please don't, please God, don't, don't eat. (laughs) If you don't mind me interrupting, that's insane because that is exactly the tool we would use. Right, mm-hmm. increase volume-based foods. If you, mm-hmm. especially if you're in a fat loss phase, so mm-hmm. never mind just our normal eating phase, right? Yeah. Wow, that's insane. Yeah, yeah. It was like two cups of vegetable, like you know, two cups of vegetables per meal. You know, some uh, we really upped the protein, lean protein intake, and it was just not enough. It was yeah. like not enough. So, uh, blew through that. Um, and I was just like, well, you know, I'm, I'm at 150. This is, you know, a, a fine place to be. So I kind of just, um, stayed there for a very long time, especially in medical training. Cause I just didn't want to, um, have to deal with rebound or, um, I, I've had in the past, I've had felt like really crappy, like brain, mental brain fog. And I was like, I can't do that to when I'm taking care of patients. So I just continued to train. Uh, I switched my training from a powerlifting style training to hyper, more hypertrophy bodybuilding. Yeah. And um, yeah, uh, at that point, I think a couple of times during like closer to, no, during residency, um, uh, actually I was a patient of Spencer um, Nadolski's oh, okay. and he had recommended a couple of different medications that were not Wagovi. Um, because it wasn't available at the time and I failed those, um, still had an appetite. And then another one, um, Contrave had given me r- like severe hives. So I was like, mm, yeah, this isn't going to work. One. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then I just kind of, you know, figured, well, uh, I guess I'm just going to be 
overweight and that's fine, I guess. Like it's not a huge deal. And then he had recommended, Hey, there's this new medication out. You should probably give it a shot. Like, you know, I think this would be a good, you know, thing to consider. And one, the insurance wouldn't cover it. And two, I was in fellowship and I just didn't want to think about it. And three, Mm -hmm. I, I was still kind of grappling with the idea of like, why, like I should be able to handle this. Like I should be able to do it. I should be able to willpower my way into whatever physique I want to. So, you know, everybody else can do it. Like, why can't I, um, you know, uh, feeling like a sort of genetic failure on my Mm -hmm. part, even though like you look at all these physique athletes, a lot of them are also taking things that help them get to the stage or, you know, even just become a fitness influencer. And it's like, well, Uh, If these people are okay with, you know, taking things that enhance their performance or enhance their quality of life, why, why should I deny myself that um, opportunity? And I think it wasn't until I saw Mike's sort of rebound and really thinking about um, uh, other people's contest prep rebound and thinking about how them hearing them talk about how their hunger signals were post contest um and really just c- coming to the coming to terms with the fact that like even for me losing 10 pounds uh that hunger signal is just as out of control as a bodybuilder who just completed a contest prep i think coming to terms with that was the final sort of straw that made me realize okay let me give this a shot and see what see what this is about. I love that story because <laughs> you are speaking about things that I do think that there are people out there just like you that have really battled with this and they do think they're broken. Like you, you, you always hear those people like, I got a broken metabolism, but that's not where they're broken because we know that's not true. But I do, I do feel that because I actually work with a client right now where they talk about how their appetite is crazy, crazy. Now, to be fair, though, they are in a fat loss, um, you know, uh, phase, but even talking to them about it, but even when you were talking about how you would just like, you're always hungry. I do remember coming off of my contest prep at the leanest I was. And I mean, I was probably on a 1200 calories, maybe probably even less. I was doing hours of cardio and I remember my first rebound. So to give Mm -hmm. you a picture of what my rebound was 20 pounds in less than a week, micro whatever kind of trauma to my shins because I thought hey I was doing cardio before I can do it I'm like 20 pounds heavier but who cares yeah and so it was and I was I was so full of shame and everything because I couldn't stop eating and I and I've told people this story I was so hungry that I would have acid in my throat and still push food down Yes. Waking up in the middle of the night. Uh, I've woken up in the middle of the night after a post diet, like binge dinner kind of thing and wake up and be like, what is this? I feel like I'm choking. Uh, I still have this snack over here. Yeah. I still have a snack. So like, I mean, and that was the first time, like even for me and I knew, like, I didn't know then because I I had shitty coaches too. I didn't know what was going on. They said that was normal. But when I did my next um, competition, even as uh, my last time I competed was 2014, I remember that 20, because uh, it was like 2001 when I competed. I remember, or 1999, sorry. I remember that feeling and I'm like, I don't want to rebound like that again. Yeah. 
So I really did the work and that's my reverse diet and everything started to come out and everything. And I learned that from, you know, Lane Norton and all that. But at the end of the day though, I still remember how hungry I was, but it was a result of that phase. Mm-hmm. And I've heard, um, uh, I think both Nick and Mike have talked about it on their podcast about the hunger post bodybuilding and, and seeing the YouTube videos. And I can relate. I know hungry, mm-hmm. how, what that hunger is, but to live with that all the time. Oh gosh. It's gotta be hard. And so like, this is why I wanted you on here because I want people to know out there that, Hey, listen, this, this could be you. And I'm not saying you got to run to the doctor and get a prescription, but you're not broken. Yeah. You're not broken. It's not right. It's you, you, um, yeah, you just have a different set of hormones, uh, you know, that it predisposes you to having huge amounts of hunger signals. That's just, you know, um, it's just, uh, you know, it's not a bad thing. It just, it's sort of a thing. And the nice thing is that we have, we have these new classes of medication and they're coming out with more medications, um, you know, and improving them, um, over time. So I don't think that this is going away. So the, this idea that, um, the fear mongering, um, you know, really needs to stop, um, and, you know, I will call, I, you know, I will call people out, the people who, especially the people who are on performance enhancing drugs, who are clapping back at, oh, you should really think about the side effects. You should really think about this. Well, Tren is neurotoxic. Uh, and I don't see any of you guys having a problem with bathtub, you know, Tren injecting that into your butt. So, uh, uh, sorry, I had to get no, that ad hominem out. I had to get that ad hominem out of the way. <laughs> it's like the same person who says no shit and they're drinking their alcohol. Like, are you serious? <laughs> yeah. It's, so okay, uh... so how okay, so you are prescribed that. Mm-hmm. You've been on a journey. You recently did a photo shoot too, right? <laughs> yes. I, I, I you looked beautiful, by the way. Thank and you. I love your hair, by the way. Thank Anyways. You. Thank you. Uh, you guys can't see this, but you'll, there'll be some recording. Um, we'll, we'll show your face. Don't you worry. But um, you, you've been on it. How long have you been on it? What's been your experience, including side effects, if you don't mind? Sharing yeah. Something. Yeah. Um, gosh, was it 2022? It's been a while. January of 2022, I think I decided to... Yeah. I can't remember what I did yesterday, I, so it's okay. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, when you, when you, like, I just feel like years have, like, really started to flown by. So, um, yeah, I started it then, uh, and um, it's been a, a really weird feeling. Um, if you've ever been out to, if, because whenever I've gone out to eat in the past, um, it's always, you know, I've always been hungry. So I have that. Um, I don't want to, you know, I, and I'm with, when I'm without with friends, it's sort of like, you know, I want to pay attention to what they're saying, but I'm so hungry that I, until the food comes out and I sort of halfway through my meal, I don't pay attention to what everybody else is saying. I'm like, dude, I want to get some food. Let's get this quick. I don't want to enjoy myself. Uh, you know, I'm obviously going to clean the plate. Now I can, you know, if we have to wait, it's not a big deal. Um, I don't have to finish my plate, which is a really weird feeling having a lifetime of being a part of the clean plate club. I can put away, you know, I can ask for a doggy bag and put some of it away. And um, I can actually look at, you know, Mike or whoever I'm with and have a conversation and the food will be there and it's okay. So I know people have mentioned like the food noise sort of goes away. It's really weird going out to dinner at 
with friends is a very different experience now. And I actually get to be present and enjoy people's company and not be fixated on the fact that I'm starving and I want this food and I want it now. (laughs) That's insane because I was going to ask you about that. If you experienced like if you had a shitty relationship with food or if you had food noise, because Mm -hmm. I know like even for some people, like that's, that's part of it. Like when they're in, in this situation where there's always temptations, that's one thing. But if all you hear, cause I can't imagine if all you do is think about food because you're hungry, not yeah. just because like of restrictions, but because yeah. you are actually hungry. Cause if you're not in a dieting phase, you're likely not restricted. Right. Right. Yeah. And it, I've been in maintenance. Like I'm on it during a maintenance phase. I'm on it during a fat loss phase. Um, and so the, um, yeah, just to have, you know, I, I'm not like, you know, it was weird. We went out to dinner. We I had, you know, steak. We had an appetizer and it was, you know, I can enjoy the steak. I can have some of the appetizer. It's, um, it, it really is just, it really is a very helpful tool to have in the toolbox for somebody like me. But it is a very different feeling. And I just remember telling Mike, like, this is really weird. I'm full. And there's oh, still... There's still like a couple of bites, even just a couple of bites on the plate is a trip because I would have mopped that up like no problem. Like, oh, it's just two more bites. But like my brain is telling me I'm full with dessert. And then we went out to dessert and I had, you know, half of the dessert. And then I was like, you know, I'm not hungry anymore. Wow. That's that's (laughs) incredible, though. I think that's amazing because, again, if if the listener is, is under like trying to understand how this kind of works. I mean, there's some, obviously GLP, it's a GLP one, right? So yeah. we know that it does, it has some um, specifics and how it acts on the brain and stuff like that, or mm-hmm. what they're seeing in the, in the research. But by default, if you are now capping your appetite, your hunger, you are by default putting yourself into a deficit that never existed before. Yeah. That's what's allowing you to lose the body fat. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Correct. And so especially during maintenance periods. Well, so the thing is, is with maintenance periods, you know, the the dose can obviously, you know, the it's not like always a a set dose. Um, So, you know, you can modulate your hunger signals to, you know, make sure that you are eating at maintenance because I definitely um, I and I can see where people get really concerned because they're afraid that people are just going to take this and then, you know, starve themselves into oblivion. Yep. That is a potential thing that can happen. I understand that. Um, but there's also other, you know, benefits to this medication. So um, I, it's, uh, you know, uh, and I, I guess the other thing is, um, you know, I had all those habits in place. Like I, my meals are mostly consisting of a lean protein, maybe a vegetable, you know, usually a vegetable and then, you know, a a carb, you know, complex carbohydrate of some sort, like, you know, unless it's post-workout, then I'll go for, you know, something a little bit more simpler, easy digesting, but weight training, you know, getting steps in, all of those were in place. And I think, you know, depending on where people are at, I think that, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be such that, like, you know, you have to have these in place in order to earn your right to, like, take mm-hmm. this medication. It can all happen, like, in tandem. Like, it can all happen, you know, all at the same time. You can work on all of those things, you know, um, all at once. I love how you brought that up. So that being said, 
I'm sure there's, uh, and I actually just saw, I think it was Dr. Bill that posted a thing today mm-hmm. where there's yes. a pending lawsuit, right? So can we talk a little bit about any side effects that you experienced and what, yeah. if you know of other yeah. people, again, this is not for her to say like, this is absolute. There yeah. is a lot of research out there yes. and you can simply look it up. Um, I do have a, I have Dr. Bill's um, study in front of me mm-hmm. where it talks about uh, a few of the side effects, but what did you personally experience? Uh, personally, um, the biggest one is the nausea. Uh, and, you know, that's why they usually have a uh, start off. Um, that's why I took, um, you know, the lowest dose possible to get you to get acclimated to the side effects. Um, the, I think, and I think that's the biggest one, uh, and a little bit of, um, acid reflux, but that mm-hmm. one is a lot less. So, um, I, it gets, for me, it got better over time and the, um, Let's see. Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Uh, the nausea. But I so. think that if if you were to sit and listen to a commercial mm-hmm. on any medication, like yeah. the list of possible yeah. side effects for any medication, it's it's profound. Like why anybody would want to take anything, in my opinion. Sometimes when we hear all the possible right. side effects, I mean, I still I'm because I'm on estrogen therapy and yes. I progesterone, but now I have an IUD, and like there's a list of possible side effects from taking estrogen you Mm -hmm. know and science has finally caught up but like if i were to like lean into that and be like oh that's too much risk it may not i would be sitting here suffering from my symptoms right and so you have to weigh those i think the the, what do they call it the cost benefit analysis Mm -hmm. or whatever like what is this going to look like for you in the long term so that being said too um you have you mentioned a little bit about maintenance and how you can probably like titrate the the doses so what does that look like in terms of like what you've done? But also, is this something that you believe you will have to take for the rest of your life? And how I can, because um, Dr. Spencer said this in, in one of his um, reels as well, where he does believe that based on, you know, the um, real obesity um, problem. I, I don't know, the disease. That's yes. what I want to say. But also it being chronic because it yes. can ebb and flow. Um, but also because there is true dysregulation in the brain for some people like yourself, right? So how do you see yourself moving in the future with this? Uh, I see myself being on this uh, for life. Uh, You know, I I agree um, as a patient. Um, And uh, just to loop back around, the the cost-benefit analysis is always something that, um, you know, as a patient and as a physician – um, that's all part of the uh, patient doctor patient uh, interaction, and if it's not, uh, you know, I, I probably would get a different doctor. Um, you know, always talk, you know, because everybody's different and everybody has individualized needs. And you know, maybe for some people, um, you know, being, uh, you know, the side effects are way too much, uh, and, and that's fine. Um, you know, for me, I, I've been on other medication, weight loss medications, and they, the side effects were terrible. Contrave, hives, no thank you. Like, I don't want giant welts all over my body. Like, <laughs> No, I wouldn't want that either. <laughs> right, right. So, um, you know, um, uh, the I see myself being on this for, you know, the foreseeable future, and I'm okay with that. Uh, I don't necessarily want to test the waters of, you know, is my hunger going to come back if I go off of this? Um, it's, you know, I've had a lifetime of struggling with hunger. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to, I, I'm not trying to mess around <laughs> and find out. 
But I think that's fair because again, it's, I think it's different for, for your story and anybody who can kind of resonate with you because I do think that there are people that are just using this because I think I read in one of the posts that Bill put where a guy said he, he had this prescribed while he was in his bodybuilding, doing his bodybuilding show. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. really? Like you made the choice to compete and you needed that extra because you were so hungry near that low levels of body fat. So to me that it's not abuse, but it's not the same level of what you've experienced. Right. And also you can get, um, and I would imagine that for performance enhancing purposes, um, they can find it somewhere else, like yeah. not prescribed from a physician. And sure. I don't know, I'm not sure how it like, you know, uh, I was actually kind of surprised that, um, I'm actually kind of surprised that, you know, people have, uh, in the bodybuilding space have such a weird, like hang up about it, especially mm-hmm. because there are all those other tools in your toolbox, yeah. you know, um, used to build muscle, lose fat, get shredded, you know, yep. fat burners. So I just, I would be very curious to hear why this is such a, like, uh, like a taboo thing to take care, like, um, to take because I was under the impression when I first um, was when I was first prescribed and I decided to like give in so to speak and start using it like I was like oh man um, why hasn't this hit the bodybuilding community yet like why hasn't you know Instead, we've got people who are, you know, celebrities taking it just because, right? Right. <laughs> it, right. Took, it took up all the stores of it, right? I know. <laughs> that is very true. And yet, you're going to have, you're gonna have uh, people who, there's always going to be potential for yeah. abuse. Um, people yeah. who aren't, it's not indicated for, who are trying to get even skinnier, I guess. So So you said, you had mentioned that you, you can see yourself being on this um, for, for, you know, the, the, for sure the near future, right? We don't know what this is going to look like. Nobody knows, right? Right. When you think about something like that, and because you're a physician, I think you would understand this. You know, our body, if you're someone who's like hypothyroid, they they require Synthroid, right? Mm-hmm. So would you say, because even with somebody who's hypothyroid, you take the medication, it puts them at, like they're no longer hypo with their medication, yeah. right? Fair? Right. So yeah. they would still have to have their habits and behaviors in place to prevent fat gain, yeah. Correct. Right. Correct. So would this not be the same? Because I, this is where I want to pinpoint to yeah. the bandaid thing where people are like, Oh, it's just a bandaid. Yeah. In my opinion, and you already kind of alluded to the fact that you have habits and behaviors in place, yeah. even with this drug, it would be, it would be, I don't know, the proactive thinking that you have some habits and behaviors in place because I mean, I, I, why would you want to just take a medication and not be mindful of your choices, eating more protein, eating more fruits and vegetables, moving your body, lifting, you know what I mean? Like, I think that it's just like, that's where I, I get upset with the, the industry because you're like, no, you're saying it's a band-aid, but you have to understand that I do believe that people still require this type of um, intervention with coaching. Like, that's why I'm just like, I don't think this would eliminate coaches because there are people no. who truly need accountability to make yes. sure that they're cooking their meals, that they're showing up macro tracking, whatever that oh, means yes. to keep them on that path to whatever that goal is. Yeah, I think you, we all need human interaction. And I think there's always going to be a space available for coaching, um, especially, and I know that, you know, just not to sidetrack too much, but um, you know, with the apps, you know, dieting and training yeah. apps that are coming out, I think there's a real, cons- you know, there has an AI, um, you know, uh, coming out. 
Um, you know, there is a concern from co- I've heard con- many concerns from coaches like, you know, this is going to change everything. This is going to be the end of, you know, one on one coaching or group coaching. But I think we still crave that interaction and that accountability. And while I think, um, you know, how we deliver that might ch- will definitely change as, yeah. you know, AI, all the apps kind of um, progress. But I think people at the end of the day still want somebody else to help them stay accountable. And the thing with apps, and I, I love apps, I use my app, like I use apps now for everything. Yeah. It doesn't have that same sort of feel for it uh like a coach does so i would agree with you and i and that's where even where i'm at like that's where um again like everybody like i mean rp has their app and you know you've got all of these different platforms you know lane's got his app and you've got your my fitness pal all these things to allow you to track your progress but i would argue the same thing that you just said i'm back in school because i've been asked if I would be willing to do one-on-one training again. Mm. And I let my, my certifications go a long time ago. And I know my weekend courses back in the day do not come even close to what the real science and evidence is behind training. And if I want to help an athlete, if I want to work with anybody that wants to grow a female who's, who we, who's never been to the gym, I want that evidence-based stuff, right? But that's still that tangible one-on-one You know, and I used to, even as an online coach, I used to meet everybody at Starbucks first and I'd vet them there. And I miss that. And COVID really brought that into like, you don't do that anymore. But now I'm, I'm craving it. And I think that as much as AI can absolutely eliminate my job, probably could, because you can go in there and be like, give me a specific meal plan, this many macros, and it'll just spit it out. I'm like, how are you going to apply that? Right. When do you make changes? How do you know if you should make changes? How do you feel about your endeavor? Is this the right thing for you? What about your disordered eating mentality? Yeah. How are we going to deal with all that stuff, right? And I'm not talking about therapy, but I'm talking about guidance and accountability. And I think you are absolutely 100% um, correct in that, that that still is needed, especially even for like, because you just turned 40, right? 41. 41. <laughs> so I'm 48 and I... I'm at that, I grew up in this, like, and I'm pretty sure you kind of caught all of the bro science and all that. I love being able to actually physically talk to somebody like yourself. Like I may not be in the same room with you, but I like that to understand things better. I can read every study out there, but to have communication and that, that one-on-one I think is huge. Right. And I, and I, I I do think it's going to be something that we all just have to work a little bit smarter at maybe Mm -hmm. And figuring out ways in which we can do a different application. Yeah, no, I to- 100% agree. With all so we're going to shift gears quickly because we have about 20 minutes left or so, because I don't want to take all of your time. Mm-hmm. I would love, so we know that it was like um, Zemaglutide worked for you and mm-hmm. you're in this place. Now, I also know that you are training, you're training lots. Yeah. Yeah. And you said that you switched from a powerlifting to more of a hypertrophy training um, foundation. Is that what you're, you're still doing that, right? Yeah, I made that switch. I think my last powerlifting meet was in 2018 and just my joints were hurting. I just, you know, I was like, ugh, I feel really beat up, you know, doing heavy triples, doubles and singles. So, um I wanted to give my body a break. Plus I wanted some uh, a little bit of a different 
shift there was a shift in my focus you know i wanted more of an aesthetic shape like i guess started to build up muscle on purpose so and i think it was hard to do that with um you know uh powerlifting's great uh but you know the training is different and so um yeah i needed a break and then i just that break never ended well i'm a girl of hypertrophy training it's been i i don't quote unquote compete anymore. Um, I took myself to that, that point where I just, yeah, I'm done. I, at, when I was retired, I felt like I, I was broken. Like that's because I had such a, everything was just oh so far, far away from where I was in terms of like my relationship with my body, food and all that stuff. But that all being said, I've always been lifting and I just love how, um, I'm seeing more of that transition in the industry, which is why I want to talk to you about it because yeah. You know, you're someone who you might have struggled with how you looked, but you're still so powerful in the gym. So what is that? Like, if there's something that to be said about this, but like, what could we, what could we, or how could we convince other women, even in our age category to join the gym, to get in their training? Like, you're not going to get big and bulky. I'm a tiny human. You're not a very big person either. I know. I I I said this on a, a pre like I previously said this. If I had like the I know people have a lot of hangups about the gym. Oh my god, like there's gonna be people watching. And yeah. I guess nowadays with commercial gyms you have to worry about all these TikTokers with their cameras out and filming. Yes. So it adds another layer of oh my god. If I had this like I don't give a crap kind of like mentality and just bottle it up and sell it to everybody, I would 100% do that and be rich and <laughs> retire right? because I remember it was difficult it was difficult to get into the gym um it like I had no idea I found a free program online and I used the uh, like exrx.net uh that old it's still up and it's amazing uh and that's what I used to like figure out what te- good technique was <laughs> And, uh, you know, uh, and I would struggle with the trying to figure out what my rack height is like, oh, my God, like the bar, it's too big, like, or it's too tall. It's too short now. Like, oh, my God, somebody's going to realize that I'm like a newbie in the gym. Oh, my God. Like, am I doing this right? But it's, uh, you know, you have to like drain that out. Um, There are so many, you know, yes, uh, I feel like for a lot of people early on, if you want that sort of toned look you're gonna have to build some muscle you're gonna have to preserve your muscle because when you diet the first thing that's gonna try and come out is uh the the uh muscle like i've done the cardio only you know low calorie diet and i just remember looking like feeling blah because i looked blah and it's because all my muscle was gone so one there's that you know, to osteoporosis, you know, you don't want brittle bones. You don't, you, you don't want to go down that route. Um, you know, preserve it while you can quality of life. Um, I'm noticing people who are more sedentary as I get older, um, people who are just having a lifetime of sedentary and it's this downward spiral. Um, and I don't want to be dependent on Mike in my old age, you know, for lack of better word like I it's nice that he helps carry things but I it would be nice for me to carry my own stuff too if he's not around yeah no and I agree I remember I was pretty young because I'd done my first certification like this basic Mm -hmm. certification here in my province and I remember being in the gym at like the the tenor age of 19 but I was the fat kid in the playground so for me being in the gym was like I don't want to be that person anymore 
But I remember walking into the free weight section and being like, all, it was all full of like men back then. Yeah. And there was a woman's only section. Yeah. But in that moment, I'm like, I am never going to go up to that woman's only section. <laughs> never. Because it was all these machines that I was like, a dumbbell looked more appealing to me than a freaking machine that I had no idea how to use. And yeah. they had those ones back in the day where it was like all resistance. Like you put the mm-hmm. resistance on and that's, you know, it's like eccentric training. So for me, that was my goal was like, I am never going to allow my insecurity Mm-hmm. to define whether or not I entered into a gym or not. So I always went in with maybe a little bit of an ego and a confidence thing. And I still, to this day, am that person because yeah. I, I mean, be, and even now, like I, a lot of the, um, cause I, even at my local gym, I have had in the past clients say like, I could never go into that free week se- section is full of young guys and all these, you know, all these bros, bodybuilders. And I'm like, this is what you have to do though, because they're there too busy looking at themselves to even yes. give a shit who you are. Number one, yes. they're taking selfies of themselves. And yes, you might be in the background, but they are so, so driven for how they look that it doesn't matter. You're just there taking up a free weight. That's all yeah. you're doing. You were there for you and you have to let that shit go because, and I know this is harsh. Yeah. You're not that special. No one cares. Yes. No. It's actually, uh, I can see why people can get kind of tripped up about it, but knowing that nobody gives a shit is like one of the most liberating things ever because it's like, oh yeah, I can just do my thing. Also, you pay the same amount of money as that other person who's taking selfies. Like you, this is just as much your gym as it is their gym. So if you need to put on some headphones, if you put up, play some music, because I used to do that, you know, in the past, like just to kind of get myself hyped up, like put on your cute outfit, do put on some makeup, do whatever it takes to like give yourself some confidence and step in there because worst case scenario, uh, yeah, nothing's going to (laughs) happen. Well, and we have these assumptions, right? We have these negative thoughts. So if we think this about ourselves, we make these assumptions that other people are thinking that way, but that is not entirely true. But I will also say this, and this is the trainer in me. Mm -hmm. I will sit in the gym and I will see men mostly Mm -hmm. and females, but mostly men who have such a big ego that they don't care that what they're doing in their lift is so incorrect. And so like, you don't even have an idea, but God forbid they ask for assistance or help, right? Because their egos are in the way. So why is it okay for them to be in there doing stupid shit? Yeah. (laughs) And it's not okay for you to not be sure. You know what I mean? So like, that's my thing. I'm just like, just go in there the best you can. But however, if you can't hire a trainer, find an experience, you know, whoever you can have a friend, grab a gym buddy because Dr. Crystal, what you said about like bone health and just like longevity, I'm 48 years old. And I remember my mom at 48. Yeah. She is not as, she was not as strong as I am. And I mean, she was dependent on my dad and she seemed weak and feeble. And unfortunately my mom passed away at the age of 62. So if in her forties, she wasn't taking care of herself, you know, and like it just, it came to, that result into a certain point. I mean, her habits and her behaviors and her lifestyle played a role and she never lifted weights. And for me, I'm just like, gosh, we got to get, we got to get these females into the gym, you know, um, more than, more than doing the cardio alone. Right. Right. Cause cardio is still great, but yeah, no, uh, it has its place. It definitely has its place, but it's not the only thing that we need to consider. Um, you know, we also need to add in some resistance training, which is also part of the, um, you know, government guidelines for health, you know, in, yeah. in, in addition to the 150 minutes of moderately, you know, 
moderate to vigorous, yeah. vigorous activity. It's, uh, you know, also resistance training is also yeah. part of that. And it's well. only uh, as much as two to three days per week. It's interesting yeah. because I just, in my physiology class, we just did a, we were doing a VO2 max, yeah. you know, test without being connected to anything. Cause I'm doing all of my studies with my uh, schooling online, but I have to record everything and send everything yeah. in. But we did a one rep max test yeah. and I've had some issues with my bicep for a little bit. We were doing the preacher curl and five weeks of 85% of my Walmart max going back in and retesting. Hey, I beat my Walmart max. All right. You know what I mean? And so, and this is like coming from somebody who thought she lost some size and some strength in that area. And I worked on it for five weeks consistently with a program Mm -hmm. that we designed from the very beginning, you know, in conjunction with my regular upper lower uh, training, but being very specific about a goal with a one rep max, it just goes to show you that, I mean, it's not, it wasn't big, huge leaps. It was a 0.5. Um, yeah, I went from like 25 pound to no 27. I think I did a 27.5. That's what it was versus a a 25 pound on a preacher girl. And that was a lot for me for my, um, especially for my arm where I thought, you know, my, I felt like my freaking tendons were going to snap, but that consistency pays off. And, you know, I'm going to be able to not right now, but eventually be able to hold my grandbabies and carry all the groceries and do all the things because, Again, I don't want to be that person who is dependent on other humans, nor do I want to be in a home where I've broken a hip because I haven't been training. Yeah. No, you know, uh, the broken hip is a huge cause of mortality in the United States. And, you know, I've been uh, unfortunately witness to caring for people who have broken their hip and it just, you know, has ended on such a on such a sad note that, um, you know, I would not want to wish that on anybody. You know, you go in, you break a hip, and then you end out end up getting discharged to hospice. It's scary and it's sad, yeah. and we it's preventable in a lot yes. of ways, right? Yeah. Yes, you're never too old to start. Um, no. I've I have um, you know in my uh, Instagram feed I have um, you know people who started in their 60s who started in their 70s and even 80s who start resistance training just little by little and have managed to seemingly you know get off of high blood pressure medication um, feeling better looking better. Uh, feel like they have a new lease on life. Like they look, you know, they look like they're glowing and happy. So, uh, you know, I would say the earlier, the better. <laughs> Do you know, and it's the same thing where I even, uh, I, I think what you just said is just amazing because I really kind of even hemmed and hawed about going back to school. I'm 48 years old. Why am I going back to school? But I really wanted to dive into, I I mean, I'm always going to be a nutrition coach, but my background is personal training Mm -hmm. and I know we've come so far. And so like for me, and it's not like it's a two-year diploma. And so I'm in it. I'm in it for the long run. Right. But I did it because you're never too old. And Mm -hmm. my age category is who I want to help. And if I can learn more and help others become healthier humans in their late forties, early fifties, I know when they're going to be living their best lives in their 60s when you should be retired and enjoying life. Yeah, right. exactly. Instead of like visiting the hospital, taking all these, you know, medications that, in my opinion, could be prevented if we oh, were yeah. to do other things with our, our health and lifestyle. And that's even going back to even what you're doing right now. Because if we think about how much um, adiposity can contribute to comorbidities, comor- we know that... If you lose body fat, it's going to make improvements, vast improvements. Mm-hmm. 
So why not do that? And if that's the best route for you, and if it's the long-term um, sustainability and, and success for you, that's that's it. It's no different than weight training. I would, if I could prescribe weight training to people, yeah. I would. Yeah. No, I've tried to do that in the past uh, as a physician. Um, tried to like. Usually they'll try and focus on like diet stuff. I let the when I'm talking to a patient, I let them pick what they're, yeah. you know, the one thing that they want to work on. Um, and it's usually like you know, like adding protein to their breakfast or something, or trying to figure out something easier or a little bit more healthy to you know from the gas station to pick. Because right. I'm very familiar with gas station nutrition. <laughs> like, I know there are options. Like, the whole, like, oh, I had to get a Snickers bar because I was at the gas station. I didn't have time. I'm like, ah, 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 ah. Mike, Mike and I are connoisseurs of the gas station uh, <laughs> dining experience. Let's talk. Let's, de- let's do a little deep dive into that. <laughs> That's hilarious. Speaking of Dr. Mike, we're going we're gonna to finish this off this podcast yeah. with, what is it like being married to Dr. Mike Isertel? Because, like I said to you off camera... I met him here in Edmonton. He mm-hmm. was speaking at a seminar. It yeah. was all about hypertrophy training. Mm-hmm. He actually um, showed us after. I thought he was, he's funny. I love his, I don't, I don't how do you describe it though? Because he's not like, ha 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 funny. He's like witty funny and yeah. like puts you in your place funny. <laughs> so what's it like? Because I know he's, he's, he just finished competing. Yeah, he did. He so did. what was that like? You're, you're married to a bodybuilder yeah. who is also Dr. Hypertrophy, in my, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, what's it like living that lifestyle and being – you're both doctors. Yeah. Uh, well, we met when I, was, uh, when I was a second year med student. And so um, I was very frank with him when we <laughs> first started talking. I was like, uh, I'm looking for a relationship. I plan to get married in the next five years. I may or may not have, well, actually I, at the time I wanted kids. So I was like, in the next 10 years, I ex- see myself having kids. Like if you don't see yourself doing any of those things, um, like I'm just leave me alone. Like I'm not interested <laughs> in talking to you. Also, I'm a power lifter and I like to weight train, um, three to four times a week. Um, I'm not never going to be a bikini athlete because I don't have the aesthetics for it. So if you think that I'm going to diet to look a certain way for you, like also leave me alone. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I, I was like, I'm laying it all out on the table. Like, and, and I was like, you know, exercise is very important to me for health. Um, I'm not in it like, yes, aesthetics are nice, but like, that's not why I do. That's not my main drive. So, you know, you have to be okay with me in this shape because, you know, in the past guys have been like, you have such a cool personality, but I'm not really attracted to you. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. Like whatever. So I was like, you need to be physically attracted to me on top of that. And so I, I laid it all out. So um, he was good with it. So, you know, and he was like, jujitsu is really important to me. Bodybuilding is really important to me. We both really enjoy work a lot, yeah. a little weirdly, a little too much maybe, but it works for us. And I think having those types of values and just sort of laying it out and really communicating when things, you know, when things change, um, is, uh, you know, kind of, a good approach to have. Like you don't want, you know, your partner to think like, Oh, I want to retire and not work at all. And then have somebody who's still working all the time. That could be a problem. It's cool. I really love how you guys have that relationship. And honestly, like, cause I remember, um, like, cause my husband, he's not into the sports or like into like bodybuilder or anything like that. When he met me though, I was, 
Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, you got to take it or leave it, right? Yeah. But he's always been a 100% supporter yeah. of what I did. And even when I competed these last, um, from 2011 to 2014, it was a long, long journey. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. We had kids by then. It was definitely different than when we were alone, like by ourselves, and yeah. I competed for the very first time. But he was super supportive. But what's interesting now when we look back, um, he definitely noticed how different dieting in that capacity and that level of training, mm-hmm. it, it actually kind of does change you because, and I don't know if Mike's like this, or even if yourself, when you, when you're in powerlifting, but when you have something in front of you, like a, I don't know, a meet or like you got to step on stage, you are like this, you got blinders yeah. on. Yeah. But that's why even when I hear people say like bodybuilding, it's a lifestyle. Yeah. It's a sport. Yeah. The it's lifestyle sport. is not there because you don't live your best life competing. Yeah. You don't, you know, so (laughs) that's why I wanted to ask you because I know you guys live and breathe sport. You know, um, I mean, I've, I think I've got almost every download that RP has written to be clear, um, because it's so much information. And I, like I said, I've, I've followed, um, all of that information for so long or followed RP for a very long time. They were, I I remember when they had their templates and you could download them on Excel. Oh, for sure. Mm -hmm. So, um, I, I just feel like, you know, he's, he's a big uh, player in this industry and that's where I'm just like, I wonder what it's like, because he has, I think, um, changed a lot of the, um, landscape Mm -hmm. when it comes to misinformation, um, especially when it comes to the bodybuilding community as well. Um, I think he's very transparent and I respect that about him. So I, that's why I just want to know, like, what's it like? So. Yeah, yeah. We also make time for each other. We, but we also have similar things that we enjoy, like going out for a walk. I mean, we're the most boring people on the planet. We get up, we you know train at some point during the day. We work, and then at night we chill with our dog on the couch. Yeah, and that's you know like we'll go out to eat you know once in a while. Uh, you know, uh, it just and then we'll take kind of we'll figure out when we're going to take a vacation like it's just uh (laughs) I I don't know how else to describe it like I think we do we do work a lot and we spend a lot of time training that by the time you know downtime rolls around both of us are like let's just hang out on the couch with Gwen our dog and (laughs) has there ever been a time and and this would be the last question I have for you Mm -hmm. actually I have two questions okay has there ever been first actually yeah who cooks the meals in the house, number one? And has there ever been a time, I would say in the last couple of years, where either yourself or you felt Mike has said, this industry is so messed up that we're done. Like you're so frustrated that like as much as you are helping, Mm -hmm. it's so frustrating that what's the point? So who cooks and that answer? Oh, so uh, I definitely cook. I do. um, And I think that um, I've always enjoyed cooking. And now that I'm done with medical training, um, I, well, so I guess it's twofold. Um, when I was a medical student and when I was a resident and a fellow, Mike would make my meals, most, some of my meals, which was very endearing. He would take the, take a low carb tortilla, take some deli turkey, throw on a couple pieces of lettuce, some yeah. mustard, and then wrap it up in a foil for me. <laughs> 
gourmet. Yes, I, and it was a very handy pocket snack. I love it. It's like my favorite. Like would fit in the white coat just fine. Um, but now I've really started to. So during this prep, I wanted to be. I was like, you know, I really want to work on my cooking, and you know, so I did all the meal prep stuff for. Um, this past uh, contest prep. I mean, that's really easy, you know, cooking so many meats, just having that available. Um, And so now that we're both, you know, not dieting, I'm going to start to kind of venture into other, you know, healthy but funner foods. For sure. Um, And then um, as far as being overwhelmed, um, no, because I think both of us seem to do – you know, a decent job or at least uh, acknowledge that the things that are frustrating, if they are sucking up that much of our time and um, desire to like continue to move on, um, I ignore it. Um, I ignore YouTube comments. Like I ignore uh, really awful, um, you know, I've gotten a couple of awful comments about me sharing my experiences on this medication on the online space. Like, I would never trust a doctor who takes, oh, of course, who t- who's on this medication. Like it, eh, you, you aren't also aren't usually the people who make comments like that are typically not real people. They don't have a, you know, an actual picture. They have, yeah. you know, yeah. So, um, yeah, no, I think we do a really good job of just kind of shutting out that type of noise that would be lend to some sort of frustration, you know. So yeah, I've been here for a long time, so I feel like there are some days where I question it. And yes, I can get frustrated and sometimes I'll vent, but I try not to. Yeah. But what I've realized in the last, probably the last year, because I feel like it's just like everybody came out after the pandemic and I'm just like, on, there's a group of people that I know are going to call people out, call charlatans out and they're going to deal with mm-hmm. that. That is what they do. Yeah. And I've, I'm learning even with school, like it has taken so much of my time. I barely have time to be really online. Like I used Mm -hmm. to even like coaching clients. I'm like, okay, you won't see my face as much on Instagram and all that because I'm busy, but sooner or later I'm going to be back and whatever. And I'm okay with that. But it's allowed me to remove some of that overwhelmed, toxic environment that I was starting to see because my feed was getting so like so much of like so much BS. Right. And I'm just like, Oh my God. And my brain goes, how do I prevent this from happening? Like, this is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. And I'm like, no, you know what? I can't, I can't fight every fire out there yeah. as much as I want to. I don't have the bandwidth. So you know what? Yeah. I'm just going to no, let it go. Not everybody has that bandwidth. And I mean, yeah. like, you know, there's so much out there on the online space that like yeah. trying to put every single picking and choosing your battles. Yeah. I, you know, have hid like, or mute people, uh, yeah. you know, that way you still have that. Like, I'm, I don't hate you, but I don't want to listen to you kind of, mm-hmm. I agree the with mute you. function is a great, but like, <laughs> because, and I've also had a lot of people ask me like, Oh, what do you think about this person or that person? And, you know, I, I get really um, caught up in, you know, wanting to lose weight and I feel really angry. I feel some type of way. And it's just like, have you heard the, the mute function on Instagram? It's a really yeah. great tool. Um, You know, and you have to do that. And I have, you know, unfollowed and refollowed and unmuted and remuted people, uh, you know, throughout my journey, my life journey, because depending on what season I'm in. And and that's totally cool. Like, that's a me thing. That's a me problem, not a you problem. But that right there is a great way to end this podcast, because that is so true, because we are always in those ebbs and flows. And like, just Mm -hmm. similar to what I just shared, like, my season right now is school. Yeah. And for, for a very long time, it was like, help as many people as possible. 
but I want to shift into this to help more people eventually and be like that one-stop shop again. And I think that it's okay to be in these different phases and that we don't have, like, especially if we have these expectations, these standards, we got to sometimes bring ourselves back to a more realistic, you know, evaluation of the situation and, and be okay with where we're at. So I love that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I was so excited, but also nervous to have this conversation with you because I'm like, I feel like I, I know this sounds ridiculous, but I'm up in little old Canada. There is not a lot of us up here that do this at the capacity that we see in the States. And that's just me speaking from my own experience. Right. And so to have experts like yourself, um, means a lot to me. So I appreciate it because I leaned into that message and I'm like, is she even going to look at this? Is she even going to consider talking to me? Oh yeah. Oh, my yeah. Gosh. And because that's my own assumption, too. Right. Like I'm too small of a, you know, of a presence in the industry. But I appreciate your time and I value your information. And I know my Thank listeners you. will as well. So where can people find you mostly? Where do, where um, do they look? I do mostly live on Instagram. I try. It's mostly a combination of like just some training videos just to sort of, you know, for me to look back, but also trying to be a little bit more mindful about like infographics and like other posts and like resharing stuff. So um, it's Dr. Period Crystal on Instagram is mostly where I live. Okay. Are you on RP's website? Uh, no, no? I'm, okay. I'm not. I'm okay. not. Do, do not pe- can people find you through there though if they needed to? Or I, I um, want to make that clear. So just in case people are looking. Oh, um, no, because I, I'm not uh, I'm not an RP coach. Um, okay. I do a lot of non-clinical stuff. So I, basically, I am mostly a project manager over at Perfect. RP. That's, that's great. People need to know that. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. So. Okay. Thank you so much for joining me. Say hi to Mike for me. That's important okay. to me. All right. From little Brandy from Little Canada here. And um, I appreciate this. And I maybe, you know, what we should do eventually, and I'm not, I'm just saying this out loud because yeah. I have to be accountable to myself, is that we will do a follow-up maybe, um, you know, just yeah. to see how things are going with you and if anything's changed and that kind of thing. So I would love to have that conversation with you um, maybe, you know, <laughs> at the end of the year and just see how things the next what are we? We're in August already. So yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. Oh my That's gosh. Crazy, hey? <laughs> Anyways, thank you so much, Crystal. I love, so love having you as a guest and uh, we will see you guys on the next episode. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it. And don't forget to tag me at motivate and be fit and follow or subscribe on the podcast app of your choice. And please don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. This allows the podcast to grow while helping more people figure their shit out. Chat to you next week.